Hey everybody, we are so glad that you have joined us today, those of you that are with us in person, everybody that's joining us online. We are in our second week of raising adults, because it only takes two. No, it takes a lot, but we're in our second week of our series that we're causing raising, calling Raising Adults because kids grow up, they, they just do, and we're talking about some things to help us in that journey. Uh, raising adults, one of the most rewarding things you'll ever do in your life, one of the most challenging experiences you'll ever have, and it's, it's so difficult to even put it into words, really. H how do you describe the challenges you face uh, in this journey of raising adults? Well, when Nancy was asked by her kids what it's like to be a mom, she didn't answer them right away. She waited until the following night. She woke them up at 2 a.m. just to let them know her sock came off. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just get the biggest kick out of that. Good fat moments like that. Yeah. Thank you. This series is not just for parents, though. It's for grandparents. It's for teachers and coaches and aunts and uncles and mentors and small group leaders. Anybody whose life touches the life of the next generation, which is most all of us and every single one of us at some point in our lives, this is the journey we are embarking on. We have an impact in raising adults, investing into the next generation. So we've been talking about 15 principles. That's a lot. We've broken it up into three weeks, and we're in the middle. So we talked about five principles last week. Uh, we'll talk about five more today, and then the last five next week. Things that my wife, Donna, and I have learned as parents over 25 years, as pastor and pastor's wife over 26 years journeying with other parents and grandparents and families and teachers and coaches and, and all of that. So we don't have it all figured out. No, I don't have all the answers. In fact, this is quite interesting. I stand up here while my children listen to me talk about these principles so that they can identify, oh, that's what he did wrong. Oh, that's what he did wrong. Oh, yeah. So I don't have it all figured out, but these are the things that I have learned and I'm continuing to learn as we partner together with this journey. So let me do this real quick. Let me give you a highlight of what you missed last week if you missed it. Maybe if you haven't seen it, it'll, you'll see something to say, hey, I, I want to go back and, and watch that. Let's look at the first five real quick. Number one, first principle is we know it's important to realize and know the season that you're in. Know the season you're in. You may be in the CEO season, the manager season, the coach advisor, or maybe at the end, the sage season. And if you don't know what any of these are, or these look interesting, or are you intrigued, go back to our website and app and catch up on number one. Number two, reach for the ideal. Embrace what is real. Shoot for the stars. Go ahead. Nothing wrong with that, but you got to deal with reality. You have to deal with the hand that you have been dealt. Uh, so, embrace the ideal. Number three, openly admit your failures, because there's going to be a lot of them. Openly admit them. Don't pretend you don't have them. Talk about them. Get comfortable with your failures. Openly admit them, and you'll be able to help the next generation do the same. Number four, ultimate success is not determined by current reality, which is so encouraging. So encouraging, right? Especially if your current reality is very exhausting or wearing you out or you're just so discouraged. Ultimate success. There is a long journey ahead of you. Ultimate success is not determined by just what you are feeling, thinking, or experiencing right now. And number five, 
We talked about how important it is to invest into what they are into. Not because you're into it, but because you're into them. And we talked about what this looks like is helping them become well-grounded, not just perfectly well-rounded. And again, if any of that is interesting, uh, you disagree with it, that, that's fine. That's, this just, these are just principles. They're not perfect or anything. Go back last week and get caught up and so we can uh, continue together. But before we talk about the next five principles, I want us to go back into the why. Let's look at the why we do this to begin with. Let's, we saw it last week. I'm going to go right back to the same scripture that we talked about last week to help us see what motivates us in raising adults, what guides us in raising adults. Why does it matter? Why is it important? Why should we care? Because God reminds us that children are a gift from the Lord. I love this. Every time I read it, it, it kind of hits me a little bit differently, and it hits me a little bit differently now than it did last week. Children are a gift from the Lord. I see the intentionality of God pairing children with adults, how God intentionally put the children and the young adults and the adolescents or however you want to describe it, the people that are in your life are in your life. Those young people are in your life by design. God has matched you with them. And them with you is very intentional. And that's a beautiful thing. That's an amazing thing. Children are a gift from the Lord. We see this foundation that we are to train up a child in the way he should go. In the wisdom of Solomon, he helped his children understand this. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Last week, we kind of didn't tell us how old. Didn't tell us what the journey would be like between point A and point B. But when they're old, the promise is... The principle is, they'll come back to it. They won't depart from it. I, I, can't, I, I read this again, and I feel it a little bit differently. I see it in another facet. I mean, as, as a dad now entering empty nesters phase, I, I look back on our journey as mom and dad, Donna and myself, and I can't tell you how many times I, I would look at this verse and read this verse, and Donna and myself would hold on to the truth of this verse with like a white-knuckle grip. <laughs> You're like, oh, when they're old, they won't depart. They're departing. They're departing. They're departing. They're departing. Right? And some of you, I mean, eventually as a parent, as a grandparent, you're going to have that experience as a teacher, as a coach. There they go. There they go. And, you know, I can tell you, I can tell you, not just from personal experience, but also from the experience of a pastor, this is so true. Then we come to the New Testament and we find this foundational verse that we saw last week again that fathers, parents, grandparents, teachers, coaches, this is, this is, applicable to all of us who are raising adults. Do not provoke children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Again, I read this again, and I see it from a different facet. The thing that jumps out to me upon reading it now is I, is I realize the correlation between how we treat the next generation and how they respond we are responsible. We are responsible as, as parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and teachers and coaches. It's, it's just not whatever. No, no, it is very important that we intentionally decide how we are going to react, how we are going to do life, how we are going to connect with the next generation because it affects them. These are the why. These are the principles. These are the things that drive us and motivate us and serve as a foundation for us to build on. And that's what these principles are all about.
That's why it matters. So, week two, let's talk about the next five principles, starting with number six. Number six, ultimately, you can't avoid their free will to choose. Think about the children in your life, the students in your life, the next generation in your life, ultimately, you cannot avoid the fact that they have a free will to choose and they, doggone it, will use it. Right? Right? I mean, just so important. Here's the deal. You cannot outparent their free will. You cannot outteach their free will. You cannot outtrain or outcoach or outmaneuver their free will. Ultimately, they have a free will that they must learn what to do with it. Now, spiritually speaking, we have a phrase, and this comes from a theological standpoint, uh, how we describe this. It's called a sin nature, right? That all of us as human beings, we have this bent towards doing our own thing the way we want it. We have our bent towards sin, and nobody has to teach you, and nobody has to show you, and nobody has to sit you down as a two-year-old and say, tell your mama no, right? No, they just figure this out on their own. Fascinating, though. This was revolutionary. When I realized that the sin nature of your kids come from the other side of the family. (laughs) Did you know that? This is true. This is true for every single one of you. It's the other side of the family. It's a, and every kid has a sin nature, even that precious little innocent baby. You know, just wait. Just wait. It's coming. It's coming. And so when you talk about this whole thing of having a free will, this ought to be very encouraging. It shouldn't be discouraging. It ought to be very freeing because it helps you understand what's really going on. What's really going on in that little head of theirs? What's really going on in that heart of theirs? What's really going on in, inside of them? They're dealing with a free will, trying to figure out what to do with it. Now, I grew up in the world where we were told you got to break their will. You got to break their will into submission. No, 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 no. That's the wrong way to go about it. When you're raising adults, you don't want to break their will. There's a lot of pain that comes from that. What you want to do, and it's painful enough, what you want to do is learn how to shape their will and help them learn how to manage their free will. You see, you're coming alongside of them and helping them try to figure out what it looks like for them to take this free will that they have and bend it and use it and shape it in such a way that they make healthy choices that are healthy for their relationships with other people and ultimately their relationship with God to help them manage and shape their free will. That's the idea. This is freeing to help you understand what's really going on on the inside. Now, it is challenging when you're dealing with a child who has a strong, strong strong free will. Everybody, every adult ought to have the blessing of dealing with a strong-willed child. Everybody. I mean, even for those of you that have like one or two children in your life and they're very docile and laid back, keep having kids. Keep having them. Keep having them. Until you get to the point where you have a three-year-old that looks at you as a 40-year-old and says, I've got to take you and I can do it. You're going down. And many times they're right. If you don't know what it's like to deal with a strong will, oh, you ain't lived. But you know what that strong will is really about? It's just someone, just a little someone who's learning how to manage this thing inside of them. Okay? 
Here's why I tell you this. Get this, get this. Every discouraged mom, every frustrated dad needs to listen to me. Every bewildered grandparent, listen up, listen up. Every school teacher that's about to quit, listen, listen, listen. What's really going on here with their bad behavior, ultimately, is not that they don't love you. And it's not that they don't respect you. What's really going on with bad behavior is that they're a sinner just like you. I mean, that's what's really going on. Well, let me ask you, parent, grandparent, teachers, coaches, let me ask you. When you lose it on them, when you screw up, because eventually you will, right? When you lose your temper, when you say something unkind, when you jump to a conclusion and you make an assumption or whatever, is, is it because you don't love them? Is it because you don't care for them? No, it's because in that moment you failed to manage your free will in a way that is honoring to them and honoring to the way of Jesus. So get it. You get it, right? Don't make this about you. Don't make this about you. Why don't you love me? If you loved me, you wouldn't treat me this way. If, if you respected me, you wouldn't talk to me this way. No, 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 no. No, it's deeper than that. They got a free will that they're trying to learn how to manage, and they just really screwed that one up, just like you do sometimes. So ultimately, ultimately, you, you cannot avoid the fact that they have a free will. So what you have to do is come alongside of them and help them manage it, help them shape it, help them learn how to bring it into submission to themselves, to other people, and to God, and use it in a way that is healthy for their relationships with each other and ultimately their relationship with God. So important. That's number six. Number seven. When they use their free will in a way that is hurtful and harmful and damaging and dangerous, <laughs> learn to respond. Don't just react. Learn to respond. Don't just react. This is so much easier said than done, right? What's the difference between responding and reacting? I'll tell you what it is. It's self-control. The difference between just flying off the handle and saying what you think and saying what you feel and just in the moment, I'll tell you what, and I can't believe and, you know, the freaking out stuff. The difference between that and a controlled, <laughs> intentional, meaningful response that still may have emotion, doesn't mean you don't have emotion, is self-control, intentionality. Now, we all have bad moments. We all lose it, okay? Eventually, if you do this raising adults thing long enough, you're going to lose it. Uh, the toddler disaster is going to be big enough. The teenage drama is going to be um, frustrating enough, irritating enough. This is the worst day ever. You are the worst parents ever. My life is the worst. It's over, you know. Okay. And, or, or, or maybe the young adult in your life will... You know, make that harebrained decision. You, you spent how much? At what percentage rate? For how long? Okay. All right. Right? I mean, you get to a point where everything inside of you is just about to go boom. And you got to learn how to respond with intentionality, not just react. It's about a good game face. 
It's about developing a good game face. You've got to learn how to develop a good game face. You know what I mean by a good game face? Like no matter what's happening, you don't show it. You don't show it. You're freaking out on the inside, but on the outside, you're like, tell me more. I, that's interesting. That's, isn't, isn't that interesting, honey? That's interesting. That's, help me understand that. Okay, that's, we'll talk, let, that, we should talk about that. that. Okay, what else? And, you know, oh, man, I'm telling you. Now, now although my wife is not, she would tell you, she's not, she's not perfect. She did this so much better than I did. Okay, I'm a classic freak outer when it you know, was a dad for years, you know. But she would, in this moment, she was so good at this, especially, you know, I think years ago, before I began to learn a little bit more, she was so good at this, she fooled me. I mean, the girls would be saying what they did, what they broke, what they think, you know, what they believe now, what they like now, and who, who's coming over now, and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and Donna would be like, okay, all right, that's good. And I'm looking at her going, why aren't you freaking out like me? You know, what's going on? She had a good game face. And she was responding while I was reacting. The problem with reacting is that eventually it leads to overreacting, doesn't it? It's almost impossible for a reaction to not lead to an overreaction. So a response that is self-controlled, where you take some time before you respond, you take some time before you speak, you take some time before you weigh in. That's why you send them to your room, their room, by the way. You know, that's what, that's what that's about. You don't send kids to their room to ruin their lives. You send them to their room so you don't lose your mind. You send them to their room to give you a moment. You send them to their room so that you can collect yourself, right? That's what really, and, and so that's a, that's a wonderful tool, by the way, right? And so if, if you're a you know, student or a child and you hear this, you know, the next time, you know, you just blame it on Pastor Jonathan next time they send you to your room. But just know it's for your own good. They're collecting themselves. They're learning how to respond and not just react. And, and when you respond, when you respond with intentionality, Approach is everything. Approach is key. The way you respond, how you say it, how you go about it is everything. I'm telling you this not because I've mastered it. I'm telling you this because I've learned this a lot of times the hard way. If you talk to someone in the aviation world, especially a pilot, they will help you understand that Approach is the difference between a smooth landing and crashing. It's all in the approach, right? And if you'll pay attention, if you'll talk to a pilot or you'll pay attention if you're on a plane, so much time and preparation, so much time and preparation goes into the proper approach that yields a safe landing. I mean, like 20 minutes, 25 minutes, they start, we're beginning our approach. Well, we still got a half hour. I know, but it, you got to get it just right. We got to get it just right. And it takes so much care and time on the approach. Boy, isn't that something we could learn? My goodness. Because I'm mad and I feel and I think and I can't believe you. And oh, my goodness. And wait, just wait and I'm give you a piece of my mind. And, and wait, 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 wait. Approach, approach, approach is key. The way we respond is everything. That's number seven. Number eight, while you're responding, 
and not just reacting. Listen more than you lecture. Listen more than you lecture. Listen more than you lecture. Now, this is so important because there's a time and a place for a good lecture. There is a time and a place where a lecture is what needs to happen. Sit down, hush, and, and let me just share with you what you need to know. There is a time and a place for that in all of our lives. However, that should not be our default setting or a go-to. And this is so challenging because us adults, we're known for lectures, right? We're known for our lectures. I have given some of the greatest lectures in the history of history. I just know I have. I just know. I mean, I mean listen, Roman numeral one, A, Little one, little a, b, c. I mean, I'm good. I'm, I've got it. Here we go. This is what you need to know. But listening accomplishes so much more than a lecture ever will. Lectures, there's a time and a place for them, but typically lectures don't change people's lives. Probably none of us can look back and say, when I heard that, when that person told me off, i have never the same. Change my world. No, probably not. Now, there's a time and a place. But you know, what, you know what listening does? Parents, grandparents, you know what listening does? Teachers, coaches, you know what listening does? Listening gives you more information than you had before. That will change how you respond when you respond. That will help you know how to respond with more wisdom. And if you're like me, if you get enough information, sometimes you get the information to the point where you're like, oh, boy, I'm glad I didn't say what I was getting ready to say. I'm glad I didn't react the way I was getting ready to react because I didn't know this. Now this changes things. I didn't know that. I didn't understand that. This is so helpful. It gets you more information and it let, allows you to take some time. Back to the taking some time to respond. That's what listening does. It buys time. So listen more than you lecture. I don't make every moment a teaching moment. This is so hard. You know why it's hard not to make every moment a teaching moment? Because there's so much to teach and so little time to teach it. You feel that? Yeah, you know that. And as, and as kids get older, you will feel that more and more and more. But when, when every moment is a teaching moment, you wear the kids out. You wear them out. And eventually they lose the ability to use their free will to hang in there and continue to listen. You have to be selective. You have to be selective with your moments. Pick your moments. You can't fight every battle and die on every hill. Okay, we, these are the things that we know. We learn the hard way. But listening more than you lecture will help you get there. A few um, months ago, Eric, our executive pastor, and myself were having a conversation. I can't even remember what, it was, what the context was. But he said something that when he said it, immediately I went back to my office after the conversation and I wrote this down because I'm like, that is gold. That is so good. And, and we were having a conversation. Eric said, you know, often a sign of wisdom and maturity is what you're not willing to talk about in any given moment. Often a sign of wisdom and maturity is what you're not willing to talk about in any given moment. And then knowing when it's time to talk about it. It's what listening will do. It'll help you learn. Not, now's not the time. We will talk about this. Now's not the time. We will deal with this, but now's not the time. Listen, 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 listen. You'll get more info, and it'll help you collect yourself to respond better. Just listen more than you lecture. Even though there's a time and a place for a lecture, have bigger ears than your mouth. 
Good way of saying it. Number nine, get good at forgiving. <laughs> get good at it because you're going to have to do it a lot. Get good at it. Learn to flex the muscle of forgiveness. Develop on purpose a short memory. It's so hard. It's so hard. Here's why it's so hard. In time, over time, eventually, every time, you will come to the point where they will take advantage of you. The children in your life will take advantage of you. You will be taken advantage of. And you will be misunderstood. They will take what you said completely the wrong way. And eventually, they will misquote you. They will take your words, they will twist them, repackage them, and use them against you to their friends, to their teachers. This is just, just what happens. And it happens to every single one of us, okay? To the world around us, and oh my goodness, sometimes to the world around us. Thank you, social media, right? Get good at forgiving. Here's another way to say it. Eventually, they will hurt you. You will experience hurt because of what they say and what they do and how they treat you and how they speak to you. It will hurt. And so don't be surprised when it does. I mean, it's still surprising. I, I get you. It still catches you off guard. I get you. But just know that. I can't, I can't tell you how many parents I talked to who said that. I just never, I just never thought. Nobody ever told me. Nobody ever told me. What? That they would often fail to manage their free will like you often manage to mismanage yours. Yeah. So get good. Get good at forgiving. It's something that you're just going to have to get comfortable with. And they're not always going to realize the depth of what they've said. They're not always going to realize the depth of what they did. And in the end, even though you want them to say, I'm sorry, even though they should, and that's definitely a part, we talked about that last week, definitely a part of openly admitting your failures. They'll never be sorry enough. Really? No one is really ever, if you've been truly hurt, no one could be sorry enough to make that okay. So forgiving is how you heal and move on. Forgiveness is what makes it possible for you to heal and move on. A matter of fact, I don't know of anything else that does what forgiveness does, where it says, you know what? I forgive you, and we're going to heal and we're going to move on. Teach them how. Show them. Model it. Say it. And help them know that you're going to need it too. You're going to have to get good at forgiving. Number 10. I almost pushed this to next week because it's so big. But I want to hit it now. Preserve the relationship. Period. I couldn't decide whether to spell period or actually put a period, so I decided to spell it. It's a little dramatic, right? A little bit more dramatic. Period. Preserve the relationship. Period. No matter what happens along the way, no matter what happens, what they do, what they say, preserve the relationship ultimately. Which means, it doesn't matter who was right. It doesn't matter whose fault this was. 
Preserve the relationship. Period. There's going to come a day when you're going to have to make a decision as an adult, raising adults, whether or not you're going to push for being right or you're going to push to maintain the relationship. Let me ask you a question. Do you have good relationships with anyone in your life who has to be right all the time, no matter what? Is there anyone in your life that has to be right all the time that you have a good relationship with? Probably not. People that have to be right all the time are alone most of the time. Got to make a decision. Now, now listen, here's the deal. This doesn't mean you don't deal with reality. This doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you don't deal with the issues and what's going on and you got to talk things through, but ultimately preserve the relationship no matter what. Hey, let me tell you something really quick to let you in on this, and this is so important. Let me tell you something about mature adults. Now, we're all adults in here. I just want to assume we're all adults, and I'd like to assume, well, yeah, you guys look like mature adults, even though I can't really see you, the lights, but... You look mature. You, you feel mature. This smells mature place. Yeah. I sense it. Let me tell you something about mature adults. Mature adults take responsibility for things that are not necessarily their fault. Mature adults. This is what they do. They take responsibility for things that are not necessarily their fault. It is childish immaturity that doesn't. It is childish immaturity that says, well, that's not my fault. I didn't leave that there. I didn't put that there. Right? We hear kids say that, and we're like, oh, good. Could somebody just clean it up? It doesn't matter. Right? Right? It was childish immaturity that says, I tried to tell you. You didn't listen to me. You didn't listen to me. A mature adult takes responsibility and says, someone's got to own this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter whose fault it was at this point. It doesn't matter who was right or who was wrong. And so a mature adult takes responsibility for the relationship, regardless of what happens along the way. The health of the relationship is the thing. The health of the relationship is the thing. That's what you're parenting for, teaching for, training for, coaching for, mentoring for. That's the focus, is the health of the relationship, not just good behavior. Good behavior is a bonus. But it's bigger than good behavior, not just your reputation. We'll talk about that next week. Not just your preference, not just your dreams, and, and not just what culture thinks and says. No, the health of the relationship is the ultimate focus here. You know why? In the end, and when I say in the end, I mean in the end of life, the end of your life, the end of their life, whenever that happens, the relationship is the only thing that's going to matter. It's the only thing you're going to care about. Not everything that happened along the way. Not, not all the things that happened along the way. Let me tell you how I know this is true. As a pastor, I've had the very um, difficult experience, but yet honoring and precious experience of being with many people as they died sitting with many families, more than I can recall, in their final moments as they took their final breaths. And you know, not one single time in 26 years of doing this, not one time, have I watched a family argue over whose fault something was 
that happened weeks ago, months ago, years ago in that moment. Where they know they're looking at the final moments that they have together. Nobody stands around and talks about, can you believe what he said? Can you believe what she did? Can you believe them? Can you believe them? And I just, no. Because they know that doesn't matter. Who gives a rip? Who gives a rip? You know what I see? 100% of the time. I see family and friends gathered together and a lot of, I love you. I love you. I'm going to miss you. We had some great times together. Now, were there some horrible times? Yeah, you better believe it. But for some reason, nobody wants to talk about that or even cares to. You know why? It doesn't matter. In the end, the relationship is the thing. And since that's the only thing that's going to matter in the end, why don't we just make that matter now? While we can do something about it now. Preserve the relationship, period. No matter what they do, no matter what they say, no matter what happens along the way. You know, the the goal of all of this... (laughs) I mean, one of the goals of all of this, maybe not the ultimate, but we want our kids to want to come home when they no longer have to come home, don't we? Ever thought of it like that? We want them to come back when they no longer have to come back. It, you, you, want, you want your family to want to be together when they no longer have to be together. And you achieve that. So much more powerfully by preserving the relationship, period. Now, you're hearing these principles, you're going through this, we're going through this together, and and some of you are encouraged, okay? You're feeling a little sense of relief, you're feeling heard, you're feeling seen, because you experience, we experience the same things. Maybe in different ways and the details are different, yeah, but this touches all of us. But maybe there's some of you that are greatly discouraged right now. Well, remember, remember, remember. The story's not over. Their story's not over. Your story's not over. These principles are never meant to be a formula for instant success. You have to be gracious with the process. Be gracious with each other. And hang in there with each other. Hang in there with this process because it is worth it. And you come back to these things, and I come back to these things time and time and time again because raising adults is worth it. The most rewarding, the most challenging, the most joyful, the most maddening thing you will ever do in your life is worth it. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for us together. Dear Father, thank you for the foundational truths that make us lean into this, that guide us and motivate us and why all this matters. Thank you for the gift of children. Thank you that you remind us that our job is to train so that when their story is over, they come back to the things that they were given and the truths and the love and the principles that were instilled into them. And there are many discouraged parents and grandparents and adults in this room and watching online that 
They're in that mucky middle, that messy middle where, well, there's a lot of departing going on. May we hang in there. We're reminded that how we as adults respond affects so much. So, Father, help us as we journey in the heart-shaping of free wills, helping the next generation learn how to manage theirs. May we continue to manage our own. Father, I ask that you would help us learn the intentional response, the well-thought-out response, and not just reacting to feelings and thoughts. May we learn the beauty of a well-planned approach. Help us to listen more than we lecture, even though there's lots to say. And get good at forgiving, because there's going to be lots of that needed. And may ultimately we seek to preserve the relationship and the health of the relationship, no matter what happens, no matter what we have to work through, no matter what we have to talk through, no matter what we have to journey through together. Because in the end, that's really what's going to matter. Nothing that happened in the middle is really going to mean all that much. But the fact that we are together and that we are in each other's lives will reign supreme. So, Father, as we raise adults, help us. And we are encouraged by your example. You never give up on us. You never turn your back on us. You hang in there with the process with us. So may we look to you, our Heavenly Father, and follow your example and hang in there with the next generation. In Jesus' name, amen.